Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by alifeofeducation.com. Alifeofeducation.com is the UAE's only dedicated health and fitness education website delivering health and fitness content to fitness professionals and enthusiasts from a variety of sectors of the health and fitness world. With talks and lectures in areas of nutrition, anatomy and physiology, sports medicine, female development, yoga and pilates, uh, strength conditioning, and many more to add in the future, Allo's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale. What else can we say? One of the sectors that they have is um, nutrition. And they've got one of the UK's uh, leading nutritionists, Ben Coomer, from Body Type uh, Nutrition. He's got a full, uh, what would you call it? He's got a full syllabus on um, nutrition for all types of different people, for athletes, for um, obesity, for uh, people who are trying to cut weight, gain weight, um, all sorts of different uh, different aspects of nutrition, what to eat, when to eat it, what's good, and also the kind of the daily um, habits that are useful to help you incorporate to try and stay on a healthy diet. And lo and behold, he was in town this uh, very recently, a few weekends, last weekend, I think it is now, um, depending on when you're listening to this, and myself and Matt grabbed him for a podcast. We spent the weekend at a fitness um, conference, a fitness summit, the MeFit Pro Summit in uh, Jumeirah Creekside Hotel. And lucky for us, we got to speak with some of the few of the most intelligent people in the industry that we've absolutely spoken to so far, some of the smartest people um, over that weekend. So we've got a quite a few podcasts in the can from that weekend and uh we'll roll them out over the next maybe four to six weeks and we'll mix them with a few other real time podcasts uh but yeah so we're just something we've been quite excited about for quite a while we didn't want to talk too much about it until it actually happened because as everybody knows talk can be cheap sometimes we wanted to make sure we were there with the people speaking to them before uh, we got to got to boast or talk whatever way you want to look at it so um yeah let's get on with it here is myself and matt and ben coomer Hi everybody, we're back again. Um, we're at the MeFit Pro Summit in uh, Jumeirah Creekside Hotel. And again, it's myself and Matt. Say hello, Matt. Hey. And we've got Ben Coomer with us today. Say hi, Ben. Hey. Hello. hello. Uh, Just copying Matt. It seemed like <laughs> yeah, the hey. done thing to do. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo. Oh. <laughs> um, so Ben is here giving a talk on nutrition and uh, business sort of branding and the business development and how to, how to push your business in the fitness world. Um, I suppose your expertise is more in nutrition than that's where you started, isn't it? You started out in nutrition. Yeah, started in nutrition, and I suppose because I've built a big brand, I have had to develop a lot of know-how about business. I now get the opportunity to talk about business and branding and stuff, which is pretty cool. When did that sort of diverge? Like, when when did you realise, like, shit, actually, I can talk about this stuff now? Uh, probably about a year or two ago. I think 
also whatever's happening in your life right at that point in time you become passionate about it yeah and i was you know i was leading a team i was growing a brand like things were going really well you naturally become passionate about business you have to if you want to succeed in yeah. it so you kind of get this overwhelming urge to actually want to talk about it um and there's only certain avenues that really i should be talking about it so there's a big there's a big trend in fitness as a whole and this is probably for any sector to be honest that we have a specialty and whether that's training or nutrition or supplements or a different industry altogether like technology you know people end up going right i'm I'm doing well in business i'm going to start talking about it and i've seen so many brands in the uk kind of like really lose a massive part of their audience because they built up a huge audience as like let's say a nutritionist and then started talking about business because they want to and i'm like you can't build a brand and then change the brand and expect people um to not kind of leave your care almost like stop following you and i saw there was a huge guy um naming no names in in, in the fitness industry in the uk brought an incredibly big band and then overnight just started talking about business and social media and stuff and his interaction and everything just went off a cliff yeah for sure so while i'm passionate about it and i know a lot about it i have to pick my battles like it's not a part of my social media because yeah. people follow me because I'm a nutritionist and kind of a lifestyle guy. But, you know, opportunities like this, MeFit Pro, speaking at some of the big industry events in the UK, going on some other podcasts, maybe having some musings here and there. It's about knowing, you know, your audience. And I suppose that's just a lesson of business. Like, you know, I can't abuse the trust that the audience that I've developed have given me as a nutritionist for a, a different means. That's, that's just not the right thing to do. Yeah, for sure. So just take it back a little bit, because I know a little bit about you because we've met before, but um, just taking it back to where you started from originally and how you got on this pathway. It starts with you and your brother having a little uh, sibling rivalry. Uh, we did, yeah, that came into the equation. Uh, so I left school overweight as a, an obese teenager and decided that I just needed to become a better version of myself to be successful in my career. So I was an actor at the time. And I just felt that to be the best me, I needed to be slim, lean, athletic, good looking, uh, well skilled. So I went on a weight loss journey. The weight loss journey was going awfully. I have a younger brother, and uh, which gives me the right to tease him. That's the older brother uh, creed. And he said, he just lashed out one day and he was like, you're not so perfect. You're fat as well. And mm. I was like, Jesus, he's right. Like taking an honest <laughs> look at myself, I am a state. Um, it's weird everybody has that moment though like on any journey somebody just has that humiliating moment or if something happens it's like okay that's it done yeah Yeah. uh, I need to change (laughs) (laughs) the tools that I'm currently using are not working yeah uh, so I joined a different gym, uh, luckily fell in the hands of a good trainer, Ben Gray, who's still friends today. And he said, read this book, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy by Paul Check." Ordered it off Amazon, read it in a week, applied the book, lost four stone in four months. The fat just peeled off me and I was like, wow, yeah. this stuff's really cool. I was doing all of that stuff that everyone else is trying to do and struggling. And I'm doing this and I just won, won and I'm going to teach other people. And that was what inspired me to kind of go into fitness. And here I am, what, 10 years later, speaking, educating, postulating online, getting myself in trouble. Yeah. Sure. And what, what was the kind of the biggest sort of change with the uh, the diet and things like that? Like what, what was it that Paul sort of check recommended that kind of made the difference, do you think? Yeah, so it was definitely a high protein intake. Wasn't yeah. eating enough protein. Um, I was eating probably, I was not eating enough fruits and vegetables i would say i was eating a standard government guideline uk diet right um so very much based on whole grains a little bit of protein some fruits and vegetables there um at the time as well i was intolerant to gluten and wheat 
and that mm. seemed to be a factor for me at the time so i removed those foods and that seemed to help hugely with my overall well-being yeah um, and my health and that seemed to carry over to a lot of water retention for me as well I'm not saying that i was 16 stone of water retention <laughs> i want to yeah. clarify that there was a f- just a factor there <laughs> Um, the other thing was lifting weights as well. I wasn't lifting weights. Started right. lifting some weights a couple of times a week. Don't get me wrong. I trained hard when I was on my fat loss journey. I was in the gym most days for two hours. I'd do, an hour, I'd do half an hour on a treadmill. I'd do half an hour of core training because pull checks work at the time. was very core sure. training based. And I did an hour of weight training, um, kind of like upper, lower, kind of like body part splits, playing around with lots of different things. So I trained hard. Mm. There's no, no denying that. Um, and then, yeah, just the diet just took a health anti-allergen kind of approach, higher protein, which we know works. And that was, the, I suppose, the secret. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's an underrated point as well. Like, people always associate protein with bodybuilding, do you know? Like, particularly sort of women, like, on the weight loss journey, they don't want to eat too much protein. I know that's what bodybuilders do. And mm. likewise with the weight training as well. Like, it's such a... Even now, despite the fact that people have so much access to information, there's just still this kind of emotional block that some people have with weight training, with mm. things like protein. Um, I mean, what, what's your normal way of sort of tackling that? Like, do you get that a lot? That people, I don't want to get too big and all the rest of it. Yeah, I don't get it a lot. I think it's because of the population and the type of people that I'm helping and coaching and teaching. So, you know, the people that come into my care are already kind of like probably semi-aware of, of some good nutritional principles. I th- think for me, that's the point in time where you just have to look at the evidence you have to look at what we know in nutritional science and say well look we know that yes protein supports muscle mass but it doesn't doesn't necessarily build it like you can't just eat chicken and get muscular because otherwise we'd all be really happy as guys that's not that's not the case we have to work hard for these gains um so I kind of talk to them about it. I talk to them about all the health benefits. You know, look at bone mineral density. You look at supporting um, cellular and organ function. And quite often, you also point to the research in increased protein intakes helping with fat loss. Yeah. You know, clients want to lose fat, right? The majority of. So we need a decent amount of protein in the diet. And there's some interesting research that's actually been very recent, some kind of observational correlative stuff. So don't get me wrong, it's not an RTC. Um, looking at really high protein intakes and having over time indicacies of better body composition yeah now don't get me wrong there's going to be loads of other lifestyle factors associated with that you know most people that have a higher protein intake tend to weight train and that kind of stuff but there doesn't seem to be any downsides i think that's the key thing we need to look at here there's not downsides there's only upsides sure sure um, and then with the training as well, you're supporting weight training. And then what were you doing sort of cardio-wise during that just, time? Just running. Just yeah, running I quite enjoyed stuff. running. I was also a rugby player at the time. So obviously running was part and parcel of rugby. So I thought, yeah, why not run? Yeah, absolutely. Are you doing any events or are you just running recreation? Did you um, I So to signify my weight loss journey, I did the Tough Guy UK race, which is probably the second hardest uh, adventure course race I've ever done. It's a brutal hard race. Um, what, I think what's I just involved in that? What are you trying to I think it's about like 13 kilometers. Like a of Tough like, Mudder? Yeah, but I'm going to say harder. I'm not going to say that Tough Mudders are that hard unless you go to the actual ones that are designed to be really hard um, or the consumer level ones. So it's kind of like 13 kilometers of yeah mud and carrying logs and going through tunnels and stuff. It's really hard. If I did it now, I'd, to be honest, I'd probably find it easier, but at the, mm, the time yeah. I was like, Jesus. And did you prepare for it or just a straight Yeah, ride? I prepared for it, but I was also, you know, I just lost loads of weight. I wasn't strong and I sprained both my ankles twice. Nice. 
you know, in the event. Yeah, in the event, I finished across the finish line. I was not not finishing the event. Yeah, but um, you know, again, that's another value: strength training, right? Like injury reduction, um, hand being able to handle odd proprioceptive challenges and stuff. Um, I'd never get injured anymore. Like my ankles are brilliant, and I used mm. to get turned ankles all the time in rugby. Really, yeah. So, um, th- talking about the nutrition side of things. What are your kind of main misconceptions? What are the, what are the, not for you, but that you find people have? What are those things where you just, oh, not this one again? I think it's people still leaning on diet culture. There's like key three things I think we can all agree on that all diets share in common is that we need to eat real food. Can't get away from that. Fruits and vegetables, good amount of protein. So real food. If you're not eating lots of real food, then you already have a disordered view of what an optimal diet is going to look like. Whether that's vegan, vegetarian, omnivorous, it doesn't matter. Real food. Um, there needs to be some element of a calorie deficit. Can't argue that. All dietary systems lean on that to some degree, whether it's low carb, Atkins, paleo, if it fits your macros. We need to have a calorie deficit. And it needs to be, or it needs to have some kind of attachment to sustainability. So some extreme diet systems do have an element of uh, extreme sustainability because the character traits that people have buy into the kind of systems that are developed through these dieting concepts. Um, So a lot of people struggle with sustainability of a diet. So we have to ask ourselves, why can you not be sustainable with your nutrition? Is it you? Is it your environment? Is it that you're being too extreme? And that's probably a massive factor that people are too extreme. Like you see it all the time, like, right, I'm on it on Monday and then everything's perfect for like a week and then they get to the weekend and their mates go out for a meal and they're like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to just do whatever I want. How would you come out with the intermittent fasting stuff, like the 5-2 diet and all of these sorts of things where people are just, they've gone from a state of just stuffing their faces and I'm just not going to eat anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's... uh, yeah, no, it's a big one for sure. How would you combat this, the problem with sustainability? Like, what are your little tips? Well, I think people, and the fitness industry is part of this problem, I think people believe that they have to be perfect to almost look and feel perfect. And I don't think that's the case. Like, you will look on Instagram and you'll see the fitness model that's in the gym down the road posting his chicken, broccoli, and rice and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'll have a crack at that. I'll eat chicken, mm-hmm. broccoli, and rice seven days a week. And then you get to the end of the week and you're like, oh, that wasn't so fun. And then you want a burger. Um, we have to teach people that it's okay to have a slice of cake now and again and a frappuccino when you're out with your friend and a couple of pints at the weekend. But you just have to be cognizant, mindful, and aware that if we go too far with that flexibility, then it's going to cause an element of damage, whether that's from a health perspective or it's from a weight perspective. Like if you have too many pints at the weekend, chances are you might go over your calorie balance and you're not going to feel great the next day. Chances are you're going to crave more food the next day. So that environment has now led you to overeat because you're craving lots of sugary and high fat foods. So it's about having a semblance of balance. And I I think I always use myself as an example. I am no perfect guy. I will go out the weekend and I have a couple of pints. I will, you know, go to Byron Burger and have a burger with, you know, my girlfriend or whatever. I'm not perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect. But you do the right stuff 80, 90% of the time and you'll have success. 89%. 80 to 90%. <laughs> All right, okay. 89%. Very specific. Oh, I've got to worry, is this 89 or is this 88%? <laughs> um, so we just had lunch with you. What did you have for lunch? We, I wasn't even paying attention. Um, I had, Matt, had... Matt had cake. So had cake. Yeah. This is a good... Three mini cakes at the end. <laughs> so this is a good, good topic. I like talking about this because today's a good day. I'm really busy. 
So I find it's really easy to manage my nutrition when I'm busy because you eat simply for purpose. Yeah. So this morning I already thought about my nutrition. As soon as I got up, get up, it's one of the first things I think about. Well, how is my plan in my nutrition? Now I know I'm going to go out and drink tonight. We're all here at an expo. We're having some fun. I want to meet loads of people. I want to have a beer. Uh, I want to get a little bit loose. Um, so I'm anticipating that. And so you're I'm right anti- across from Irish Village. Yeah. Dangerous. Meet, if you go for a drink here afterwards, you're not far... I might look for the uh, closest Scottish pub or English <laughs> pub. Not that I'm biased. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I know that's going to happen. I know that I'm going to have, let's just say I have, I'm going to have four pints of beer. Okay, that's going to be roughly around seven, 800 calories. I'm already thinking about that. Why am I thinking about that? Because actually I'm someone that wants to maintain my weight and performance. I know that and I accept and I don't feel any guilt around it that if I do you know, consume more or drink more today, I'm going to have an effect the next day that I might have to kind of try and rectify or whatever. So everyone's strategy has to be goal outcome based. Like if you're not that bothered about your body composition, then go out and get a little bit loose. It's fine. I'm quite concerned about my body composition purely because I like to maintain a certain level of leanness because it makes me happy. So this morning I got up and I had an apple and a protein bar, largely because I was staying at someone's house didn't have access to food. Um, I carry loads of protein bars with me when I travel because it means that at least I can just have something. So I literally had like 300 calories for breakfast. For lunch, I had uh, a lot of um, cooked chicken thigh and loads of salad. Twofold, salad's going to fill me up tons. Uh, I love fresh food. And thirdly, it's, it, I find it's a bit hard to eat good quality veg in Dubai. Yeah. I, especially when you're eating out. Like you just don't get enough of it. So I almost took the opportunity at the hotel to fill up on loads of chicken and vegetables. Again, that's going to be low calorie. So I've still only eaten like a thousand calories. Now I need at least three, three and a half thousand calories a day. So the rest I'm is g- beer. Exactly. The rest <laughs> is beer. The rest is burger later. Yeah. And there's no guilt in that approach. I'm just strategizing my day to my goals and getting the best outcome. What are your goals at the moment? Like, what, what level of leanness are you at the moment? Like, uh, I'm probably about 13, 14% body fat. Sure. Um, I like to be a, a little bit leaner, but I'm traveling. I'm always going to struggle to maintain weight when I'm traveling because just, it's, it's just tough with food. Like, sure. I have to eyeball everything. Everything that I've eaten while I've been in Dubai, I've not been in full control of. Yeah. So I have to accept that. And you know, it's not a problem. I'll get home. I might on a couple of low calorie days when I get home nip it in the bud and kind of back to normal but usually I just like to maintain my weight maintain my performance maintain my recovery keep you know like any guy does keep trying to get marginal gains in my strength and performance and you know muscularity uh, and that's that's kind of me and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy with that I'm what kind of your, happy with just ticking along what was your diet like before you lost all the weight what did you used to be like um, I would say I never ate really unhealthily um, my mum always had a, you know, quite a, she was quite food orientated in the house. She cooked some good stuff. I just ate a lot of it. I went to boarding school, so it's buffet, breakfast, lunch and dinner. You can eat whatever you want. You can have cake with lunch, cake with dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, I just ate whatever. So I think if anything, it was just an overconsumption. I'd say it wasn't a amazingly healthy diet, but in the grand scheme of things, not bad. I think portion control is kind of the biggest factor because people obviously end up uh, certainly I've seen with my clients where they decide to replace kind of the 5,000 calories of cake with 5,000 calories of salad, you know, and they think that because they've just made that exchange that mm-hmm. this should be the key. Whereas, uh, yeah, as you're saying, like calorie deficit is an underrated sort of thing. It seems to be anywhere in the general population. I think it's just tough to 
dress it up and make it yeah. sexy and but you eat too much you get fat there's, yeah. there's nowhere to sugarcoat it and you mentioned intermittent fasting earlier that's actually a dietary approach i quite like for mm. busy people that don't train that much so if you're training a guy and he's you know working out three days a week he just wants to look and feel good then actually intermittent fasting is a really good way of him to strategize his nutrition especially in you know a culture like dubai where so it just, might be just explain what intermittent fasting is just, so, just very briefly yeah so it's basically you have a feeding window and a fasting window fasting window tends to be anywhere from 16 to 22 hours and then the feeding window is anywhere between two and eight. Sometimes people fast for longer. So obviously this creates a window in your day when you're not eating. For some people that are really busy, that's really handy. Like if you've got you know, a, a busy business executive, he literally trains to maintain and keep healthy. He wants a dietary system where he can maintain his weight easily. He is not bothered, chances are, about breakfast. Mm. He'd rather just get up and go, get in the office, smash his work day. Maybe has a lunchtime meeting. So this is a perfect strategy for a guy of of that nature um he's also going to get some nice health benefits because we know there's great benefits from fasting health wise but you flip that on his head if i try to do intermittent fasting i just can't do it i'm too higher performing individual on an exercise level you know i'm yeah. training intensely 90 minutes most days i'm not getting in, i'm not going to get in enough calories consistently as well so all these tools do have their place it's just they're not often used in the right kind of context sure Absolutely, and uh, like what? So, if somebody wanted to try it, intermittent fasting, like what are your what are the biggest mistakes you see people make with it? Uh, going in cold turkey. So, yeah. if you're used to eating breakfast at six thirty every morning, and then you go right, I'm going to have breakfast at one o'clock in the afternoon. Your hunger signals are going to hit you really hard because our our bodies are really good at working in cycles. So, at six thirty in the morning, your body's going to be expecting to eat. You don't eat, and it's your stomach's going to start to gurgle, and it's going to hit you hard. So, I tend to advise people to just slowly move their breakfast time back. Yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten. Keep pushing it back so your hunger signals slowly get used to that. And um, quite often, if they find that they're getting really hungry. Um, move someone on to, we call it fat fasting. Right. So some of the benefits health-wise that come from fasting is an absence of protein. So you don't have to be completely unfed, but you have to be in a non-protein state to initiate some of these health benefits. So quite often people you know, drink still, so they'll be drinking like coffee, green tea, that kind of stuff. You could put fat in there, which is a source of energy that your mm. body's going to feed off. So you could have something like cream or coconut oil or something like that in your coffee or green tea or just eat it. That will help kind of ease your body into a very low calorie state environment on sure. a long period of time. So I might move a client onto like creamed coffee for a couple of weeks and then i might take the cream out of the coffee and then see how they do or i could leave the cream in it because there's still going to be a lot of benefits there sure um, and cream in coffee is tasty yeah i don't know if you've noticed it's very tasty for sure um yeah and then um I, another mistake um don't have too big a lunch you know again blood glucose is going to be sitting fairly low so you have a really big lunch all the blood's going to go to the stomach it's a huge increase in blood glucose level, you're gonna get a fairly big drop. So don't go too heavy on the lunch. So I usually say like medium lunch, little snack in the afternoon and then eat big in the evening. Right. There was a mistake I could have done with that advice a few years ago. I was in the UK before we moved out here and I was very focused on body composition and lean mass building. And I was in a very, very regular work, kind of sleep, breakfast, work, lunch, work, train at five o'clock, finish by six, meal, seven o'clock and then 
another meal before I go to bed and I just grew and grew and I got up to 100 kilos and I was pretty lean I wasn't bodybuilder shredded no, nothing like that but I was I was lean enough where I was happy and I thought all right now I've got up to this big I'll try and really shred down so let's see this intermittent fasting thing let's see if this works and I cut out breakfast cold turkey the first meal I had was midday mm-hmm. maybe it would have been 12 30 one o'clock time lunchtime starving lunchtime like shoveling food into me shoveling salads mainly because I was where I was working was in the countryside in the UK where mm-hmm. there was no there was nothing nearby it was all kind of military area so I'd have all my lunch packed with me in a, in a salad box and mackerel and chicken and whatever else I lost about six kilos <laughs> in about six weeks before, without realizing I wasn't paying attention to the scales I wasn't really paying any attention to because I never really monitored these things like I just knew I'm getting stronger I'm feeling better I'm getting bigger and then every now and again I jump on the scales and I tipped over a hundred points 100 point something one or whatever took a pic of it that's in the in the locker mm-hmm. and then uh just lost it all got intermittent fasting so wrong and just decided i'm never doing this again yep <laughs> i'm going back to breakfast i would have oats for breakfast um those quaker oats just bosh done protein shake in the car healthy little snack in the morning and then would eat healthy but yeah, yeah. i got that intermittent fasting thing extremely wrong this is where you need to be careful of, I'm going to call it like bro or locker room knowledge. Like you gained a little bit of knowledge. You thought, oh, a mate's tried it or I've seen someone try it. And then you just try and apply it and you got it wrong because you didn't do enough research yeah, and how this is actually going to work and the, the right kind of context for that. And, you know, we need the people that we're teaching and coaching to take that upon themselves to and even you know not to just believe us at face value like if we say something and it sounds a little bit like oh i'm not sure on that go have a google around like think critical our clients the people we're coaching need to be critical thinkers if you're going to go and do a diet find out how it works why it works what's its context what's its pros what's its cons and really the mechanism that it's going to work Um, because otherwise you might be a little bit upset at the outcome yeah, there's so few people do that, like particularly in Dubai as well, where they just want it. Like, just tell me what I need to do. And then yeah. they'll blame the diet or the nutrition or the f- type of food rather than like, hey, I just messed up myself. Like, yeah. I just didn't do enough research. Um, how would you deal with, so shifting gears a little bit, how do you deal with kind of females? So um, taking the sort of psychology and the pressure on females aside, you've got a female who is training hard. She is eating clean. She's got this 89% diet spot on. <laughs> and... Uh, she's getting to the end of her weight loss journey like her body is adapting it's adapting it's adapting then it reaches the point of if she wants to break through this this plateau what does she do like so she's got her clean diet she's following a structured plan she's exercising regularly um where would you take somebody who's sort of following your protocol say for 12 months moving from i don't know what a kind of the low 70s into the 60s but wants to get just sub 60 what kind of challenges do you still find females meet that you can you can help them with so you're basically asking someone's fairly lean they're just going to start to drop in a little bit leaner yeah like it may be a female from a, a yeah. size 12 to a size 10 yeah that's fine um i think the problem that females have is that females generally compared to men have a higher ratio of fat to muscle mass so that means that combined with their size they're generally going to be of low body mass which means they're going to have a fairly low requirement for energy and this is where you know you can 
quite easily as a female put on weight a lot quicker than the guy in a relationship because you cook food, you eat roughly the same portion, but the man's need is always going to be half, maybe a third more than the females because of just physical size. Mm. You know, you go out to a restaurant, they don't serve a female portion and a male portion, do they? The burger comes out the same. It's the same 1,200 calories. But 1,200 calories of a percentage of a female's diet is way, way more than of the man's diet. So I think a female getting uh, a lot leaner has to accept that they might be needing to go quite low in their calorie intake. And it might be a little bit uncomfortable. Hormonally, they might feel a little bit under pressure, a little bit tireder um unfortunately a female's hormonal system is not as resilient as a man's a man's can handle a lot more uh, pressure and damage before we kind of get a lot more physical signs so uh, a female just has to understand that that they're going to go there if that's what they want to do and they might feel a couple of negative health benefits but with the right kind of coaching and with them not rebounding too aggressively out of that there's no reason why they can't maintain that in a healthy way but the problem is we highlighted it earlier that people tend to be a little bit extreme about their their kind of uh, process into the diet they they reach the end goal they've been so extreme that they're like all right i've got to the end goal now i'm going on on a week of cake diet or they they time it to go on a hen do or whatever and they have a massive rebound their their head's not quite in the right space when they come back to it or it's monday and then they never get back to that place that they should have gone so i always tell people like going on a diet is one thing you become a certain person living as that new person is a totally different thing again like being a 16 stone guy and going down to a 10 and a half stone guy i have completely different habits beliefs actions mindset i'm a different person yeah and people have to become at one and spend time being that person to maintain what it is that they've got so then you've got the girl she presents with you she's trying this and she's just hungry all the time she's uh you know, it's, it's affecting the mood, it's affecting her performance at work. How do you, what's your advice? So in that instance, I would probably maybe give her a bit of a diet break. So we just come up to maintenance, calories. Um, and in this instance, with someone that's on a fairly low calorie intake, you do need to be controlling calories in all of these uh, processes because the rebound effect can just be very easily done if you're you're mindlessly doing it. So you might bring someone up to do a diet break and then you might just drop into it a lot slower and know that that diet is going to be slower we might just aim for a half a pound or a pound of fat loss so that there's less you know negative kind of outcomes with you know because if you get the more extreme you go the more negative outcomes you're going to have that's yeah. it period uh, that's why i recommend people don't diet in times of stress don't diet in times of optimal performance so i think an acceptance of just going slowly uh, I'd make sure protein intake is high. I might come up to even like 40% of the diet as protein. And I would really work on that person having a lot of food volume with the calories that they're allowed. So if they're only on 1,500 calories, I want a lot of that to be the most voluminous food possible. It's going to fill them up. Like what? Lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of lean proteins. Um, you know, carbohydrates going to kind of probably be moderate. Um, I've never found that you know females do that well on too low a carb diet i think just a nice mix of macronutrients for a female is always a solid approach like a 30 30 40 sort of thing um and yeah just make sure they're sleeping properly and make sure they're emotionally balanced which is another thing like this hunger this stress 
um, sorry, this hunger can be compounded by environmental stresses. It's gonna feel a lot harder a diet if you're feeling overwhelmed at work or at home. Um, and then vegans, let's include, well, include that into the parameter. <laughs> You've got a non or a veggie. You got a yep. non meat eater, someone who's, who's just what won't eat meat. What would you do then for nutrition for protein? What are your little hacks? Well, th there's no hacks. Like, you know, in every seminar I do, there's a vegetarian that says. What do I do about my protein intake? Because a vegetarian is limited already and it's almost like a vegetarian wants me to identify this magic protein yeah. that they've not heard of. That's what I want you to do too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love meat. I can't do that. Like, okay. it's not going to happen. Like, they've just got to accept that they might have to eat, um, you know, a bit more of the same stuff a bit more often because I need the protein intake to be higher. You know, protein intake as a vegetarian is not hard. It's really easy. As a vegan, it's a bit harder. But, you know, you're going to hit easy one gram per kilo, one gr 1.4 gram per kilo as a vegan have quite happily. 1.6 and above, you're going to struggle and you're going to have to start just to get a little bit more creative. There might be some suppl more supplemental proteins in there, liquid proteins when you're a vegan. Sure. And what, what would you normally go to as your protein source, like beans and things and like all the usual sort of stuff? Or? Yeah, all the usual stuff. Again, I've got no magic yeah. vegan proteins. It's all the stuff that everyone knows about, um, you know, beans, pulses, uh, nuts, tempeh, uh, tofu, corn. Yeah. yeah. Beans are such a bore like that when you got to like soak them overnight and all the rest of it. Not corn, sorry. Corn's made out of egg white protein, isn't it? Yeah. My yeah. bad. <laughs> well, what, what do you know, Ben? Now, you've, now we're doubting everything you yeah, say. How do you? Um, what I was going to ask you. You can tell I don't eat corn that often. <laughs> Talk about your, uh, you've got your new protein, your, your vegan, veggie vegan protein. Awesome supplements, vegan protein. That's what it is? Correct. I was paying attention earlier in the talk. Um, they can get that. that. That's an option for people, isn't it? It is. It will. Uh, this is a UAE show. I take it, so it will be soon in the UAE, but not yet. Not yet. And you uh, must have then picked up on the trend of people riding the crest of the vegan wave. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of scare tactics around what is happening with vegan nutrition. You know, if someone comes to me and they say, "Do you know what? I don't believe in killing animals. I don't feel comfortable with it. Doesn't feel ethical. Brilliant." Be a vegan, respect that. But what I don't respect is people coming to me with faulty science and saying dairy is going to kill you, causes breast cancer, like there's all these toxins. That sure. is what the health science. stuff. Like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's been one of my most viral videos this year, my rebuttal of the what the health um, documentary, and that was done, you know, with is bias that on YouTube? in minds. Can people get that on YouTube? It's on my Facebook page. Okay, um, I think it's on YouTube as well. To be fair, I think it is. Um, but I can't remember. Facebook is my main platform. Um, yeah, so, you know, the director went into that saying, I want to prove a point here. Hence, people that eat vegan got interviewed. Hence, people that didn't eat vegan didn't get interviewed. Mm. So, you know, unfortunately, not enough consumers really looked into that and done their own homework as a critical thinker and that that is a shame. You know, and at the time, I was getting so many messages of like, Ben, have you seen this? I'm going to go vegan. Like, I didn't realize dairy was so bad for you. And I was like, hold on a second, hold on. And that was why I did a video because I was just getting inundated. And, you know, I don't get why because a lot of the vegans that I meant, uh, met tend to be quite nice, calm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there's a, 
there's a strong correlation between a vegan um, individual and a kind of more calming mindset. They sure. might be, you know, a bit more into a kind of holistic way of life, yoga, you know, enjoy the outdoors. So when you get <laughs> armies of angry vegans online, I'm always surprised. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't get angry omnivores messaging me saying, like, you know, don't, don't harm that broccoli. But people get so worked up because there's a belief system there there's a strong powerful emotional belief system and they've got so deep into it that they feel that everyone has to know about it and again i have nothing wrong with you being a vegan but just like religion i don't want it rammed down my throat you have your beliefs i have mine and i was getting messages like um you're a cow rapist like all (laughs) sorts of stuff yeah i'm like whoa like come on yeah seriously stop it i'm like You've got your beliefs, I've got mine. You've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I couldn't believe the opening scene. The opening portion was diabetes is not caused by sugar. I just thought, but you know, I think they just so irresponsible. Knowing that they, I mean, it's obviously it's on Netflix. It's for mass consumption. So it's like I'm just going to say some outrageous stuff just to get people angry. So then they're going to watch it, and then everybody's going to look at it, so they can argue about it and all the rest of it. So, and then he goes into the security guards, and he's calling up the the website like phone <laughs> help desk yeah, the asking Indian about their internet policies crazy but i was really I, I felt like the old lecturer the 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 guy who we met in person who stood up to say that i'm not going to continue with this interview you're trying to do this i really felt like that guy should have begun okay show me your studies put the studies on the table and let's go through it yeah let's go through it piece by piece because that academic has got the skill to dissect or theory. To, to rip apart any of those studies and yeah. say they've missed this, they've ignored this, and they've because he's sat there going, "I've got the studies, I can bring the studies." And instead of that guy standing up to leave, I was like, "Oh, sit down, yeah, ask him for the study, go yeah. sit, take him through it point by point. Like you'll you'll you have the brain power yeah. to rip this guy with a baseball cap sitting in front of you apart." Yeah, I thought he was. It, it was unfairly cornered in that sense and he just kind of reacted in a right get me out of this situation but yeah just because he thinks he's going to get embarrassed because I just yeah. don't even want to be here right now but I would really back him to sit down and politely okay show me the studies now that's not credible that's false that's not true they've missed this they've miscounted that and then just going right now you're going to use that footage and I'm going to show you up or you're not going to use this at all so it was unfortunate. But that guy, I mean, he's the cowspiracy guy as well. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that until I've seen it as well. I just didn't connect the dots. Yeah. And that, that was another point of contention. People were like, oh, you should watch cowspiracy as well. I was like, yeah, but that's by the same guy. Yeah. I'm confirming a bias <laughs> from someone that believes in something by using the same thought process. That's not looking at a, com- a comparative argument. You're not looking at the other side of the fence. Um, but that's the thing. You get a slight hint of a belief you believe in something and you go all in and you don't look anywhere else yeah that's not critical thinking that's yeah. not an evidence-based approach and the problem is that there, there probably are some points that he made during that that are completely valid yes, about the environment agree or whatever else yeah. oh but definitely yeah, yeah but they all get thrown out because he ends up saying a yeah. bunch of other shit that's just yeah. completely false so it's like yeah. why have you done that if he'd you know? focused on the processed meat and gone down that route yeah yeah uh, hands up fair play yeah. have you seen the documentary earthling no. no. So it's it's a bit it's a bit hectic. It starts off, it's another kind of pro-vegan thing. But it, after watching it, it's re- made me very much reconsider stopping on the McDonald's drive-through when I'm absolutely starving and just looking for the, the the local supermarket and buying something something healthier. Purely based on the whole movie, the whole documentary, 
revolves around human mistreating animals. Mm. It, there's, there's very little spin on it. It's literally like it opens with farmers on an old camcorder in a yard dropping a concrete block on a cow's head. And then it goes through just torturing with the meat, with the meat industry and then the clothing industry and then medical science. They have got, they're showing monkeys being put in these enclosed chambers and being mm-hmm. impacted ext- like to yeah, death. It's fucked up, yeah. All the way through, it goes to the zoo uh, industry, mm. uh, circuses. It goes through zoos. It goes through clothing. It goes through pets. It shows about all these animal, all these dogs that are just too many puppies. So all these dogs get put down, and it, it's got footage of just families who just just tossing dogs into these canisters, and they're not alive anymore, and they're just filling this thing up. That is a super heavy documentary. If you feel like watching it, watch uh, it. <laughs> but it's not putting a spin on anything. It's saying, here's what you didn't know. Yep. Here it is. Go digest it. You know our angle. Our angle is stop factory farming, stop these chickens being slaughtered, and stop these cows. But that's irrefutable. And I, as much as it didn't make me stop eating meat, it has made me stop eating fast food. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sl- making slightly better choices. So if anyone wants to watch that, go ahead and watch that. I don't know if you'll get it on YouTube or it's, it's pretty hectic, but it's really like if you can sit through it, you'll feel like a bad person <laughs> just, just for eating meat yeah. and wearing clothes. Doesn't, I mean, when you, when you come out of it, it's like, I don't know what I should do. Yeah. It's, uh, humans are so mean to animals all around the, the kind of the spectrum that I don't know what we're going to do. But uh, yeah, don't watch it with a hangover. Oh God. Don't watch it when your emotions are low. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Matt loves to cry in front of uh, Netflix. The hangover, yeah. Oh, fuck everything. Matt told hangover me to, blues. to watch a movie about that shows the last few stages of the actor from... Um, oh, Spartacus. The an- have you seen that? The Andy Whitfield story. No, no. Oh, it's, it's on Netflix. Fuck, man. Tell him the story. Is it basically, do you ever watch that show, Spartacus? I, I want to say I'm not old enough. No, no, this is like a couple of years back, but it's okay. basically the, the actor gets cancer and it's literally he started filming and creating all this content while he's going through his cancer journey. Uh, okay. Uh, and I watched it on a hangover, feeling depressed as fuck anyway. And, you know, <laughs> the, the night before and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. It's about two hours of just depression. Yeah, and then he like, recommended just, it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> come on, watch this. <laughs> I watched it. I was like, well, I'm I'm someone else to share my pain. Misery oh. loves it? company. Then we can moan together. <laughs> I watched it and I made sure I was really busy on my laptop and on my phone all the way through, so as not to get. I knew. I knew the story. Yeah. Oof, I, I, thankfully, I wasn't as emotionally blue as Matt was when he watched it. <laughs> oh, I was it, fucking depressed, man. <laughs> <laughs> Ten points of Stella. I was like, fuck everything. Oh, stop it. So, what's uh, what's next for you anyway? What's in the future for body type nutrition and for for you? Uh, just doing the same as what we're doing, but better. Just trying to improve. Um, we are improving our education systems. Um, we've you know we've moved everything into kind of like a mobile ready, future proof so way. So, tell people a little bit about what it is. We do online education and nutrition. Uh, we have a ten week course which uh, lays the groundwork for future learning in nutrition. So, it covers the fundamentals of you know calorie balance, macronutrients, thermodynamics, sleep, stress, lifestyle factors, goal setting, and then we have a 12-month practical coaching course which is all kind of live it's done via live webinars and you know documents and a members area and and comes with lots of different kind of benefits so that's kind of our key education angle there's also a load of business modules that um, people can do as well so we're just improving that the textbooks that we deliver to students the learning experience is just about improving that uh, and spreading the message and then 
the other side of that is the supplement company or some supplements just improving that making sure we're we're being better uh, we're doing our due diligence we're bringing out products that people uh, enjoy using but are also in line with the evidence we're not you know we're not trying to flout pink colored bcaa drinks and you know rubbish like that and then just my speaking which is why i'm over here MeFit pro uh, to keep getting around on the circuit trying to inspire people so it's very much more of the same, which kind of sounds boring, but it's just me being better at what I do. Yeah. How far do you plan ahead? I like asking this about business people. Like, do you know exactly what you're going to be doing like a year from now? Like, have you got it down to a T? Not functionally, not like I'm going to be in Manchester on June yeah. 17th. Um, no, I know where the business is going to a degree or I'm, I have an idea of where I'm steering the ship. Sure. Um, I like to... You know, I think we can, in business, we can only really, really plan three to six months in advance. Sure. You don't know what kind of road's going to open up, who you're going to meet. So I have an idea. Um, I try and map quite far in advance. All the big events, especially from a fitness perspective, are in the calendar. Like, we work around them because they're key for my business. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite a strategist. I like to look ahead. I like to manage my team and what we're doing and kind of always have our teeth into a really good project because it's always motivating us. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite an organized person. Sure, sure. One thing you said earlier, which I actually just want to bring it back to very quickly, you mentioned that you used to be an actor. Aye. Tell us a little bit about that. Where can people see early... They can't. Nowhere. It was like pre-internet. There must be somewhere. What's... What, what did you act in? What did you do? Oh, it was just like, you know, plays that you did at school, uh, amateur dramatics in my local area. It was nothing like I wasn't on the stage or on TV because I stopped at 18. So I was kind of like a child actor. There's no commercials of, of Ben no. trying to sell us cheese or... Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, so then in relation to the supplements, the supplements will be available for people in the UAE. Soon, yeah. Yeah, you're working on that behind the scenes. So is that going to be in retail or is that going to be to order? How's, how would uh, somebody here get their hands on that? Um, we haven't fully worked that out. We're just ironing it out. But I think hopefully at the time, if you typed in awesome supplements to buy, you'd be able to find it. Sure. Okay. And then the nutrition talk is available for trainers and fitness professionals here through a life of education. It is. Well, when they launch. Yep. They're also our sponsors. So it's worth uh, talking about that. Just plug in that. Um, and that is for anybody wanting to do nutrition courses. They can get their CPD points to continue their membership. Correct. Um, so what's next in the short term? You're flying back to, are you flying to Scotland? Flying to Scotland. Uh, I've got another event, SFN, which is a Scottish fit, fitness expo. Um, so that, and then uh, I'll maybe go home for a half a day off, maybe. Nice. <laughs> Busy boy, huh? <laughs> if you can fit in. Where can people get your uh, Facebook, your Instagram, and anything that's... Just type Ben Coomba into a thing so c-o-o-m-b-e-r instagram facebook uh, itunes podcast youtube twitter google machine like it's all there if you type in ben coomba what's the name of your podcast ben coomba radio perfect easy matt do you have anything Done. to add on that no no we're good thanks cool. man. all right well we'll be back with more uh, very soon thanks guys all the Cheers. best Bye -bye.